0: Stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays twelve thirty to three
1: seven seventy CHQR. Now, maybe it's a fair criticism that uh, us landlocked folks uh, out here in Alberta, we don't think as much about the coastline. And when it comes to the Trans Mountain Pipeline, and we can make the case all we want about how it's the safest way to transport uh, oil, bitumen, as opposed to to transport by rail. But maybe the real issue in B.C. is not so much the pipeline itself, but uh, the end of the pipeline and putting that stuff on ships for export. And what about a spill? What's going to happen if this stuff spills? So recently, the B.C. government announced what they describe as additional measures to protect B.C.'s environment from spills, to study whether we're prepared to handle a spill, how damaging it could be, what would be involved in cleaning up a spill. All valid questions, mind you. I guess it begs the question, well, has it really not been studied before? And it would appear as though it has. So is the B.C. government trying to find answers to questions that we don't have, or are they ignoring the answers that we already have in favor of political posturing. I want to explore some of these questions. Our next guest has written uh, in recent days a couple of really fascinating pieces about, you know, the science around all of it and and how this is being politicized. Uh, Blair King is a practicing environmental scientist, also blogs on the use of scientific data in environmental decision making. Blair, thanks so much for joining us here. Appreciate this.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, So folks can read more, by the way. It's uh, chemistinlangley.net where you share your thoughts on, on these matters. So What was your initial reaction to to BC's announcement?
0: Well, as I wrote in my blog post, I was a bit surprised by the reaction because it indicates that we don't really understand the science when the research makes the science pretty clear. We have enough information at this point in time to design a spill response. Uh, We understand enough about Dilbit to do... To make to design the response, it, it isn't a case of this being a magical prop uh, compound that we don't know anything about. Rather, it's a rather well studied one that we know a lot about.
1: So there, there is a lot of evidence. So if the BC government has legitimate questions or concerns uh, that th- this is out there. This information is out there.
0: Yeah, and there are legitimate concerns about spills. Sure. Spills and spill response uh, are something that really have to be front and center any time you upgrade uh, infrastructure like they're they're planning to do with the Trans Mountain expansion. The question is, do we have the science about dilbit and diluted bitumen, dilbit? And the answer is, yeah, we actually have a lot of good science about it. We understand its properties sufficiently to effectively predict what it's going to do. It may not always do what we want it to do, but we can predict what it will do and we can plan accordingly.
1: One of the points have been raised, and maybe it's, it's kind of a, a butchering of, of how we do risk assessment, because the argument goes that, OK, we're going to increase the number of tankers. It'll be seven times the number of tankers. Therefore, it's seven times the risk. Therefore, the pipeline means greater risk of a spill
0: and and the answer is that's that's simplistic work that doesn't uh, take into account how risk analysis is carried out and how uh, risk avoidance and uh, is carried out the as part of the national energy board process the proponents had to go forward and do an evaluation of the risks and then they had to come up with a risk mitigation plan a plan to make it less risky the result is that even though they've increased the, uh, they anticipate increasing the, the number of ships by about seven times. They only anticipate increasing the risk by about 30%. And w- while 30% sounds like a big number, this is 30% of a number near zero. They've gone from the chance of a major spill being one every about 4,000 uh, years to one every about 2,400 years, So uh, certainly it is an increased risk, but a bigger part, uh, uh, multiply a a number by a virtually non-existent number, and you end up with a virtually non-existent number.
1: Right. Well, 30% is not 700%, so so it's important to distinguish the two. Now, here's the other thing, because we just went through this exhaustive uh, NEB process in getting this pipeline approved. Did the NEB take a look or take into consideration this issue?
0: Certainly, the NEB has looked at this. They, they required a whole pile of changes to the way, it, the way bitumen is being transported. Once again, to address the risk and to make it as safe as possible, recognizing that every activity that we do on life in world has risk. They said, how can we make this as lower risk as possible so that what, in, in my world, I do risk assessment. And we talk about what's an acceptable risk. And the, uh, an acceptable risk is a risk that is low enough that the likelihood of occurrence will not uh, change the way you make, you make your decisions. And in this case, the the NEB had come up has come up with a, uh, an approach that has what is considered an acceptable risk. In this case, one in every about one spill every about 2,400 years.
1: Now, part of the the um, uh, process of getting this pipeline approved is uh, an additional commitment from the federal government for I think it's one point five billion dollars in to to help prepare for possible spill response.
0: Absolutely, and spill response right now on the West Coast, our spill response is inadequate. As anyone who's seen, listened to the news in the last six months, as we have had two major events happen. Uh, and, we do not have the spill response capabilities on the coast here because the up till recently uh, well up till now it has been a a user pay system where the only people who pay for it are the ship owners and the ship uh, rather than acknowledging that everyone benefits from spill response and therefore the government should also be chipping in to try and make it better we don't ask only certain drivers to pay for the roads. We say the roads provide a benefit for everyone. Therefore, we should probably invest in roads. The, the government has chosen not to invest in spill technology uh, or spill response equipment, and and now are saying, well, we don't have good enough spill response. And the answer is, well, you, if the government had done its job, we would have the spill response we need.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, I mean, uh, any kind of an oil spill is sort of worst-case scenario, and it's what we want to avoid, and I think all sides should be able to agree on that. There, there seems to be a notion put forth here that there's something different or more concerning about diluted bitumen, that if that spills, that's way worse. But is, is there any science to back up that assertion?
0: Uh, no, the answer is no. Uh, diluted bitumen acts in a very similar manner to a, any other heavy oil. Uh, it will float in seawater. Uh, it, given the right conditions, it could sink in freshwater or, or it may float in freshwater. Given the right conditions, even in seawater, it has a potential of sinking. However, dil, uh, dilbit actually tends to be more buoyant than other oils and therefore is easier to contain and, uh, capture. That being said, as you said, any spill is going to cause hardship to to the environment and is a is something that has to be avoided at any reasonable cost.
1: Right, but if if there's evidence indicating them that that Dilbit can be relatively, at least maybe compared to to other forms of oil, relatively uh, straightforward to clean up. I mean that that's a point worth noting in this conversation.
0: Absolutely, and that's the that's the point that uh, I that. Uh, this discouraged me when I saw the the uh, announcement by the government because re- realistically speaking, we manage risks. It is, dilbit is a it is a toxic compound that you don't want to to pour on birds and you don't want to pour on uh, waterfronts. But it is not something that is unknown. It is there's no existential additional risk associated with dilbit. It is a uh, petroleum, hydrocarbon that is nasty when spilled and should be, a, we should avoid spilling it whenever possible, but it is not anything different than heavy oil when it comes to its spill response.
1: Well, this is interesting. As you wrote on the weekend, you say the first thing you understand is that virtually everything the activists and certain politicians tell you about Dilbit is wrong. Do they, do they know they're wrong or, I mean, what, what's the political gamesmanship going on here?
0: Well, I don't understand in some cases. In some cases, I understand that there are activists who know that if they can obfuscate and say things that aren't exactly correct, that they can delay the pipeline and therefore uh, potentially get the investors from Kinder Morgan's investors not to put their money aside and they can cancel the, the, the thing. Otherwise, I... Realistically speaking, sometimes it just people don't understand science. I've been online with people who keep insisting that Dilbit sinks, and it's like the National Academy of Science, the Royal Society of Canada, DFO, Natural Resources Canada, all have research that shows quite clearly that this is not the case. That Dilbit floats on that Dilbit floats on seawater, but the I. As you've, if you've looked at my Twitter feed all weekend, I've been attacked by people who insist that it sinks, irrespective of what all the scientific bodies who've ever researched the topic would say.
1: Yeah, and I mean, maybe it's a case of the end justifies the means. If you've convinced yourself that stopping this pipeline is a noble cause, then exaggerating the science or misrepresenting the science is being done in pursuit of a noble goal. Therefore, it's okay.
0: That there is a whole a concept of no uh, noble goal in the environmental world, and but as someone who cares about decisions and how decisions are made and optimizing or reducing risk, I can't can't sit by and let people just say that because realistically speaking, the we live in a world where we use oil mm-hmm. and we have to transport it, and if we choose not to transport it by the safest manner then we're going to use a less safe manner to transport it, and that puts a greater risk on the environment. And I really can't fathom why a true environmentalist would say, I prefer that we do something that is more likely to cause harm to human health and the environment because it's, be- because it's better from my point of view. The only people I could see doing that are mercenaries or others who just don't care. Right. Because a true environmentalist wouldn't say, I'm going to take the worst case and hope things go wrong so that, I can, so that I can win my case, rather than looking at what the science says and say, let's do the safest thing because the safest thing is the right thing.
1: Yeah, well said. Uh, much more is mentioned, a chemist in Langley.net. Uh, Blair, great insight as always. Thanks so much for joining us here.
0: For having me. take care.
1: Uh, that's Blair King. He's an environmental uh, scientist uh, in BC. and uh, writes about uh, matters pertaining to scientific data and environmental decision-making, and what are radical concepts. Let's be uh, guided by the evidence. Let's be honest about the evidence. So wrote a really interesting piece over the weekend about all the science, all the research that's been done on dillbed spills, and what we know about what happens if and when it enters the water. And this is being really misrepresented by a lot of the opponents of this pipeline. Imagine that. So again, if the B.C. government wants to study the evidence on spills and spill response, well, that's all out there. The idea that they're breaking new ground here and asking questions that no one has asked before is, is ridiculous. So it, it, it lends a lot of credence to the theory that this is political gamesmanship, not environmental protection. is our number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.